Okay, so we looked at mercy. We're in a new series called Mercy. I started this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, sorry, darling, I always forget this to bring my water up. Would you mind? Thank you, just over there. Uh, thank you. Wonderful. Um, and we looked at what is mercy, and I gave you a bit of a summary. Mercy is, uh, is holding back what we deserve, and grace is giving us what we do not deserve. You see, oftentimes mercy and grace are the two sides of the same coin. You see, when we are saved, what happens is, is God holds back the punishment that each is due because of sin and puts it on Jesus, and then in place he gives us the holiness of Jesus in our lives so that we can have relationship with him. That is the relationship between mercy and between grace. And I looked at uh, what mercy, the characteristics of mercy, it is tender, it is great, it is undeserved, hence mercy. It brings healing, and we're going to look at that in detail today. It is abounding, it is unfailing, and it is everlasting. It never runs out. And then last week, uh, Richard just brought a fantastic word as uh, he looked at the story of Jesus with the woman that was caught in adultery and the mercy that Jesus extended her. And I love the way that uh, Richard unpacked the freedom we find in his forgiveness. And, you know, if you missed that talk, I'd encourage you to catch up. You can do so uh, on our YouTube channel, on our website, on our app. I love, there was a line that Richard said, which is, Jesus doesn't react to us, he responds to us. You know, oftentimes we in our humanness can react to people's stuff, can't we? Jesus doesn't react. He responds in love and tender mercy and forgiveness. And so if you miss that, when you catch up. So um, what I'm going to do this morning, as I just mentioned earlier, is is zoom in a little bit on the healing aspect of mercy. And in order to do that, we're going to look at another story that we find in the New Testament uh, about Jesus. And why don't you turn with me? It'll be on the screen as well. And if you're at home online, it'll be on your screen. Uh, And it's found in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 9. 1 to 9. John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. Let me read this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Wow. Yeah, Nikki went, wow. What a story. Can you imagine? And, you know, as I was thinking about um, healing, the Lord led me to this story. I was like, Lord, what, what is it about? Because there's lots of accounts, aren't there, in the in the scriptures, in the New Testament, of Jesus healing people. What is it, Lord, about this that you want to bring this morning? And as I studied this again, I was blown over when I realized and I learned that Bethesda means house of mercy. The pool of Bethesda, you see, it was a pool of mercy. 
But what do we have going on here? Why is this important? Because you see, here is a man who has been an invalid for 38 years and he is waiting by the pool of mercy, but he is not healed. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes. You can imagine Jesus coming over and bless this man. He's probably like, oh, finally, someone's coming to pick me up and take me to the pool. I mean, that's what I'd be like. Oh, please, take me to the pool. And Jesus doesn't. It's like, what? What's the point of speaking to me? If you're not going to take me to the pool, I need some mercy. But what happens, you see, is that man finds mercy in Jesus. See, what's going on here in this story is we see a transition between the old covenant, the old relationship of God and man into the new covenant of relationship through the mediator of Jesus. Listen, it's not like God wasn't merciful in the Old Testament and then became merciful in the new. It's not like there was no healing before and all of a sudden healing came. God, in his mercy, was always healing his people. Who remembers the story in the desert, in the wilderness, when um, Moses held up the snake and they said, if you look at the snake, you'll be healed. What's that? A typology of Jesus taking on the sin for us on the cross. And if we look to him, we would be healed. So it was, it's not as if God's mercy is all of a sudden something new in the New Testament. It's not that all of a sudden healing is new in the New Testament. It's the same God who knows that. But what we see is that God's mercy is no longer found in ritual and religion. God's mercy is found in relationship with Jesus. God's mercy is no longer found in keeping the, the law. It's found in relationship with Jesus. Why? Well, Jesus said, you know, I don't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. What does that mean? It means that Jesus was the only one who could fulfill the law's requirements. And therefore, as we have relationship with Jesus, he fulfills that law for us. Now, that doesn't mean that we should, well, I can do whatever I want. No. Just as Paul said, just because grace abounds doesn't mean we sin more. But you see, what I love about this story is that it is speaking to us today to say your mercy is not found in religion and ritual. It's found in the very person of Jesus Christ. Now, I was thinking about this and, and the Lord brought to remembrance something that happened to me um, the late 90s when I was in uni. And as I've shared with you before, I grew up in a Christian home. My grandfather was a pastor and my, my parents were involved in church leadership. Um, and for me, church was the place of my religion. Yes, I had yet said yes to Jesus, but I, I don't think it fully clicked. Church was the place where I received. And so I went to uni, and um, I think because I didn't have that sound relationship with Jesus, I just got into the world. And I found that the world gave me what my brokenness needed, I thought, which was a place to belong. You see... I had experienced rejection growing up. I was bullied a bit at school. And so I was always looking for affirmation, always looking for acceptance. And I found that through a lifestyle of drinking lots and doing this and doing that and living a life that deep down I knew wasn't what God had for me. And I remember thinking, Lord, I feel lame just like this man, metaphorically, I felt like I couldn't walk in the faith that I professed to have. It was like I was living two lives. And what I would do, I'm embarrassed to say, is I would get in the car 
when I had a car, and I would drive to the local Baptist church. By the way, I'm not embarrassed I went to a Baptist church. I love the Baptists, just to clarify. I went to a Baptist church growing up, born in a house church, grew up in a Baptist church, went to a charismatic C of E church we got married in, went to a Pentecostal church in Australia and came to the vineyard. So there you go, been across all churches. And I love the vineyard because for me, it's the best bits of all of those together. But where am I going with this story? I would go to this church late enough that it started so I didn't need to see anybody and I'd leave early enough that no one could speak to me. I know. And if that's you, don't worry, it's fine. So I would get there and I would sit at the back and I'm like, Lord, I need your mercy. Can please someone come and give me a word? Please. There's no one here. Who's going to come and give me a word? Who's going to take me to the front, if you like, the metaphorical front, and I just want an encounter with mercy? Nothing happened. It was like me being this lame man, looking at the pool of mercy and saying, I need your mercy, God, and I didn't find it in church. Because all along, that wasn't what God was saying. He was saying, you find it in me, and I'm here for you and with you. And you know, something happened while I was at uni that someone said something to me. They said, I did something. And they said, and you call yourself a Christian? Because I had said, I'm a Christian. I didn't live like it. And they said, you call yourself a Christian? I was like, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, he opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, wow. And I remember this was actually, wow. It would have been the same week just before Easter. Just thought about that. And everyone left the house, this was in the second year, and I was on my own, and I had a keyboard because I was a worship leader. Well, I wasn't at the time. I used to prior to that. And I remember spending three, four days just reintroducing myself to Jesus, and Jesus reintroducing himself to me. And I would weep, and I would cry. I'd say, Jesus, I need your mercy. I, I feel so lame. The pain in me is so deep. The pain in me is so deep, and I found healing in that place as I met with Jesus. Why? What happened? Because I thought I was going to find my healing at the pool of Bethesda, and I found it in the person of Jesus. And I think some of you, this message is so pertinent this morning, because you maybe have lived your life, whatever the 38 years are for you, that you've gone to a place of ritual and religion to find mercy, and you haven't yet found it. You haven't yet found your healing because Jesus is about to say, listen, you're not going to find it there. You're going to find it in me. Listen, Jesus is real. No, I don't think any historian worth their salt would say, deny the reality of Jesus as we read about him. In fact, we know extra biblical accounts just Josephus and many others, Josephus, have talked about Jesus. But here's the thing, he rose again. And he's with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to go up to the Father, but do not worry, because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And so we've just sang earlier about being with him and in his presence. You see, Jesus is as real today as he was back then. And I cannot wait for when we meet him in heaven and he wipes away every tear. But we can experience him today. And so, uh, that was the introduction. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to very quickly look at six truths. Six truths of God's mercy that we can learn in this account. Six truths. 
Here's the first one. And in fact, it is just a, a, re, a reiteration of what I've just said. Mercy is a person, Jesus. Jesus is mercy. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can I just say, if you think always lead to God, that's not what Jesus said. But isn't it interested in him saying, I am the way. Listen, he is the way to experience the mercy of God. He is the way to experience the grace of God upon us, to empower us, to live and to fulfill what God's called for us. Jesus is the way for forgiveness and healing. And I want to say to you this morning, if you are seeking God for your healing, then Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Number two, it's never too late for God's mercy. It says in verse five, let's look at this. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. I reckon Jesus picked him out because it had been the longest. I don't think it went like this. I don't think Jesus went into the... By the way, you know, they, a German archaeologist in 1956 found this pool. And it is exactly where it says in the Bible, by the sheep gate. Isn't that amazing? I don't think Jesus went in there with his disciples and said, right, guys, uh, I'm about to heal somebody. But can you find someone that's maybe been invalid for like one or two years? Maybe five, but no more than that. Because anything more than five, and I just can't do. Because I have a best before date on my mercy. And... <laughs> by the way, just as a segue, side. Uh, you know, the care center is amazing. We have... Quite a lot of stuff actually donates to us, but the best before date is a little bit extended. We have a competition going at the moment. We did find a tin that was like 30 years old. It's quite amazing. I think we should have a trophy cabinet and just put them in. Anyway, God's mercy is not like that. It doesn't matter whether you are broken and you need healing, whether it's been six days, six months, six years, 60 years. It never, it never runs out. Listen, it's not too late for you. Maybe you're saying to me, Mark, it's too late. You don't know the stuff I've done. I brought some of this on myself, if I'm honest with you. Well, what did we look at a couple of weeks ago? God's mercy is undeserved. Even when you think you're dead in it, <laughs> he can raise you from it. Even when you think you're dead in it, he can raise you from it. Thank you. Amen. What about the story of Lazarus? That wasn't just an amazing physical story of resurrection. It spoke to our spiritual state before Jesus that we are all dead. It speaks to the fact that you might feel like that's it. And Lazarus' sister's like, well, that's it, it's gone. And Jesus is like, let me just show you the power of God. And so if you're saying to me, Mark, it's too late. I've tried to dull the pain with alcohol and drugs I've tried to dull the pain through success, through creating an image that people think so that it can massage that wound that I have so it's too late for Jesus. I'm saying it's not too late. Mercy is in the house today. You don't need to stay looking at the pool of Bethesda. You can meet Jesus today in this place. Which leads me on to number three. God's mercy finds you where you are. Let's look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, 
You know, Jesus went and picked him out amongst the crowd. Jesus didn't walk into the colonnade and sit down and say, let's see who comes to me then. He went out and found him. And I want to say to you this morning, Jesus sees you, he sees you, he sees you, he sees you. He didn't wait. He didn't wait for the man to get better before Jesus saw him. Because Jesus always finds you where you're at in your brokenness. Listen, religion will tell you that you have to be better and act better before you can see God. Relationship tells you the opposite. You come as you are in your brokenness and in your weariness and in your tiredness and you just say, this is me, Jesus. I mean, that's what Christianity is. For some of you, maybe your vision and your view and your experience of Christianity has been the opposite. It's been a place of tradition and religion and ritual and you better behave yourself unless you're otherwise bad you. And I speak to many people, and as privileged as it is for me as a pastor to speak to many people that have had that experiences in church context, or family members, family members said, listen, this is what being a Christian is. You better be good and smarten up. Otherwise, God's going to hit you with a stick. I don't see that in the Bible. I see a God of love extending his mercy, saying, listen, all who are thirsty, come, eat. You don't need money. You don't need to bring your good stuff. <laughs> Just bring your brokenness. And Jesus in this story goes out and finds him just like he went and saw Zacchaeus in the tree and said, listen, come down. Can you imagine Zacchaeus, the tax collector? Everyone hated him. He goes up into the tree because he wants to see Jesus. And Jesus goes and says, I want to go and have food with you this afternoon. Me? I'm a terrible person. By the way, if you work for HMRC, you're not a bad person. <laughs> I know it's tax time and all that jazz, but, but they, weren't, they weren't good in those days. What about Jesus when uh, the lady with the issue of blood for 12 years touches in the crowd Jesus' cloak because she wants to be healed? What does Jesus do? Does he go, whoa, power's come out of me. That is bad news. Who did that? How dare you? No, he's like, where is that woman? Oh, bless you. Bless you, sister. That's what he said. That is the Jesus. That is mercy. I want to break that lie off you that says you need to be perfect before you see Jesus. He'll come to where you are in your brokenness. Oh, I'll tell you something, isn't that refreshing? Thank goodness for that. I've been carrying around this burden, this load for how, 38 years, thinking that I've got to be better? No. Now, Jesus makes you better. You know, it says in James that good works is evidence of our faith. It's a fruit how many times do I say, you know, we're not called to manufacture good works. We're called to bear fruit. Big difference. Fruit is an outworking of our relationship with Jesus. All right, where are we doing? Ooh, hello. Right, number four. Are you with me? Good. Mercy doesn't condemn us. You know, it says in verse six, you don't need glasses. <laughs> When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, listen, I've heard this story relayed and I've read stuff that's been like, Jesus was like, listen, do you want to be healed? Goodness sake. No, 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 no. He said it like this. Do you want to be healed? Do you? You see, there is no condemnation in mercy. Jesus didn't say, listen, old chap. You've been here for 38 years. 
your excuse is really thin at best and probably a lie. I mean, how could you not get carried to the pool for goodness sake? Oh. <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. And that's, listen, if you're looking for healing of your soul and of your brokenness, Jesus doesn't go, oh, finally you turned up. Oh, my word. Your excuses are lame, Mark. No. He says, do you want to be healed? Don't think that God has a big stick to hit you. He has a robe that he pulls up and runs towards you, just as we see in the story of the prodigal son. Number five, mercy steps in where others fail. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. In other words, I have no one. Everyone has let me down. My mum has let me down. My dad has let me down. My brother's let me down. My sister's let me down. My best friend has let me down. My colleagues have let me down. In fact, I've got no one, Jesus. So are you going to take me down to the pool? I want to say this. Maybe you feel like that, that you've got no one. You look at your life and there's so much, I don't want to say anger, I think disappointment and hurt that people you trusted, the people you put your trust in, failed to take you to where you needed to go. See, I think part of this story is the healing that Jesus brought to this man because of that. And for some of you, maybe there's, this is a place of forgiveness, that you need to forgive those around you. Listen, let's look at each other with the eyes that Jesus looks at. We're all broken. We're all fallen. We all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. That's not me excusing what people do. I'm not saying that. But we all need forgiveness. And maybe this is your chance. And next week, we're going to look at our ministry of mercy, how we extend mercy. Maybe this is a season where you need to extend mercy to someone else. You see, there's healing in forgiveness because when we live in unforgiveness, it breeds bitterness and bitterness brings its own host of issues. In fact, science will tell you the physical ramifications of bitterness, not least the mental and emotional strain. There is something healing about forgiving others. And maybe this is, you've just come here for that one word this morning. You need to forgive it doesn't say what you did doesn't matter. It just says it no, says it no longer is going to impact me. You see, unforgiveness and bitterness is like uh, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die from it. And, you know, if this has touched you, my right, your left, the ministry team would love to pray with you about that. This is a place of healing. Do you want to be healed? Do you, do you want to be healed from that? That Jesus is here the very person of Jesus. Number six, as I bring the, the boat into port. For, them, for those of you who are visiting, you might wonder why I said that. But anyway, grab me afterwards and ask me. Our healing is found in the person of Jesus, and I end where I started. Jesus said, verse eight and nine, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Wow, that's pretty simple. You mean for 38 years 
I've been waiting a lot around to go into the pool of mercy. You mean for 38 years I've been trying to fill this God-shaped hole with other stuff and you're telling me that Jesus is right now to bring healing? Yes. Is it that simple? Yes. Is it that easy? Not always. It can be a journey. You know, when I came out of uni, I was pretty broken, actually, and I was grateful to God if he put people around me who could minister to me and pray with me, and it was a process. We're all on a process. We're all on a journey. But it starts with us saying yes to the invitation, do you want to be healed? And for some of us, it's a challenge. It's something we do daily. We have to wake up and say, okay, Lord, please heal me. You know, we, 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 we verge on the, on the question of, does Jesus heal today, don't we? The theology of healing. Let me, let me just put it this way. I was kind of thinking about this and praying and talking to the Lord about it on Thursday. And Jesus said, am I the same God today? And I said, yes. And he said, are you the same people as in here? I said, yes. I said, there you go. Now, why do we not always see people healed? Well, we live in a fallen world and God's kingdom is breaking in and through, but it won't be fully consummated until Jesus comes again and he will. It's the difference between D-Day and V-Day. You know, when D-Day happened, it was a definitive mark that meant in the Second World War, the Allies had won the war, but it took a while for it to be fully realized. We are in that place between D-Day and V-Day where Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That was the decisive blow to the kingdom of darkness. But from now until Jesus comes again, his kingdom is pushing through. Listen, we see physical healings every week. And we see, hear testimonies of people being healed up in their heart. And so I, I want to say, don't let cynicism stop you. I'd like to invite the band up. Don't let cynicism to stop you saying, well, this isn't for me. Listen, I want to tell you this, friends. And if this is the only thing you get from this, then I would have done a good job. Well, an okay job. Jesus is real and he is mercy. Don't look for healing at the pool of Bethesda. Don't wait on the side for 38 years. Say yes to his invitation this morning. Say yes to his healing now. I'd like you all to stand please as I pray. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we all just bow our heads and close our eyes? And <clears throat> For some of you here, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never truly met the real Jesus. You thought you did. You went to church. You said all the things and you did all the things, but actually you never really met the real Jesus. And maybe as I'm speaking now, your heart's fluttering a little bit. Will you? That's the presence of the Lord. And he's saying, listen, come. I want you to meet me. And if that's you this morning, you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time. What does that mean? It means simply confessing that he is Lord, that he died on the cross for you, that you would have eternity with him in heaven. If you want to respond to this word, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy and come to the front. Just simply put your hand up where you are. I can see you. If you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, why don't you just put your hand up where you are? 
Thank you, Lord. Bless you. Thank you. I can see your hand there. Bless you. Bless you. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray a prayer, and this prayer is to simply say, Lord, would you come into my life? And this is the prayer for those of you who have put your hand up, but I'd like us all to pray that if, if you feel comfortable to do so. You don't have to if this is not for you. In order that those people wouldn't feel uh, zoned in, let us do that together. And it's repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. Forgive me where I have been waiting at the pool of Bethesda. And I say yes to your invitation. I ask your forgiveness. Would you wash me clean? And I accept you into my life. And I confess you as Lord and Savior. Amen. Now listen, if you've prayed that prayer, my team, my right, your left, would love to pray, pray with you. We have a new Christian um, booklet and some other things we'd love to give you. But you have just made the most important decision of your eternal life. Because as it says in the scriptures, eternity is put in our hearts. The question is not whether we'll live for eternity. The question is where you're going to spend it. And that's a real choice. And so if you just prayed that, then we want to be able to pray with you. As the band plays, we're going to play one more song. I know we're running over, but I just want to pray. And then we're going to sing a song. And then we're going to end the service. Lord, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you for the healing that you offer each one of us. I pray, Lord, that as you have said to us, do you want to be healed? That as we sing this song, we would respond with a yes. And I pray for your healing power to come now, Lord. That you would heal our wounds, heal our brokenness, I pray. I ask this in your precious name. Amen. Let us worship together. Thank you, Lord.